So today, let's uh, kind of I want to I want to work on a topic that that I I basically live, um, and it's called living beyond mistakes. Living beyond mistakes. I, I am a professional mistake maker. That is what I do. I've learned to just laugh at it and move on. And that's in our society, that is our biggest problem, is that we really hold people to their mistakes. We remind people of their mistakes. We, we kind of prejudge people or we kind of hold. And, and, and with all the media and the things out there, man, you can, you can nail people, remind people, uh, never forget things. And there is nothing that will hold you faster and longer than the accepting of your mistakes. I, I just no other way I can, I can get around it. Let me just give you some quotes from some people as we break into this today, and I just kind of unpack this. Is that okay? All right. Uh, he who never makes a mistake does not make anything. There's just certain quotes that are important to me. Someone that says, well, I just don't make a lot of mistakes. Well, you're not making very much then. If you're not making mistakes, if you're not falling and, and stumbling forward in your life and moving forward, then you're just not accomplishing very much. Because usually everything I'm working on, I'm, I'm bumbling my way through it. I'm, but I'm getting there, but it's just a constant process, you know, from, from cleaning the shed to, to you name it. It doesn't matter. I mean, we're cleaning the shed and I'm getting ready for this uh, uh, 15K one tough mutter that I got to run. And uh, man, I'm so excited. I'm pumped. And we're cleaning out the shed and, and we're up on the second floor and there's some plywood just kind of laid around in different places, you know, and I'm thinking I'm 35 again because I'm out here doing this and man, I'm working and this is so cool. And, and, and I'm standing on one piece of plywood and I'm supposed to jump to another and I didn't realize that there was some plastic on it. And so I jump, I land on my leg, the bad leg. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm folded up like this on the ground and this leg is under me and, and, and I've done kind of retweaked some meniscus and I'm like, come on. And so, so it's like, really? Mistakes are just part of life. If you're not trying, if you're not moving forward, then you're just not going to make mistakes. The problem is you're not going to make anything else either. Most of our mistakes come from letting our wishes interrupt our duties, like me jumping in the plywood. I, the duty is to get it all down. The mistake was thinking, I'm just going to jump around. Sometimes our wishes messes up our duties. Mistakes can and should be growing points in life. Forget all mistakes except those who help you become a better person. And I like this one. Forget past mistakes, but don't forget them until you've used them to correct your errors. So everything in life is about learning from my mistakes. It's about growing in them. It's about being able to say, did I get everything I could from that situation or from that problem, from that circumstance? Did I make the most of it? That's all life is. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, I've made mistakes, duh. 
Now, the enemy will make it look a lot different. He's going he's to constantly beat you up about it. He's going to constantly talk to you about how you're, you're stuck. You'll never change. It's never going to... And that's all lies. That's what he does. He's telling a truth mixed with a lie. That's his job. He tells a little bit of truth and covers it with lie. What do you mean, pastor? Did I, you make a mistake? Yes. Does it mean the end of your life? No. The two can run simultaneous. I can make a mistake, but at the same time realize it's, I got to get up. Let, let me give it to you this way. The vicious cycle that sets us up in our lives when we yield to the fear of failure, when we accept the lie that Satan brings and says, okay, you made a mistake, but now that's who you are, or you're stuck in it, or you're never going to change. Let me tell you the cycle you're going to get stuck in. And maybe some of you in this room are stuck in this cycle right now. First thing that happens is fear. Fear is going to grip you because you, you got embarrassed. It, it was humiliating. You didn't like it. You don't ever want to repeat it. It's, it's, it, it's just everything. I don't want to talk about it. It's over. Let's just not talk about it. But the problem is, is that I hold on to the fear of it, that it might happen again, or the fear that, that I would ever be embarrassed again, or the fear that something would happen. And fear then leads to your next problem, which is inactivity. Fear paralyzes you. Fear stops you from trying. Fear stops you from moving forward. And the first thing that fear is going to do, anytime we make a mistake and we're like, oh man, did anybody see that? Did somebody, and if you can't quickly laugh it off, just like when I was up there in, in the attic, I think Kirkland was with me at the time or somebody, I think it was Kirkland, it was, it was Chase, my bad. Chase was up there, it was one of them. I'm, I'm like, really? Of course, the first question they ask is, are you all right? You know, like, hey, old man, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, Really? And I just like jump up. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. Ain't nothing wrong. You know, it, it's, it's like, I just want to go home. I just want to prop my leg up real high right now and think about this. When we make mistakes, fear grips us. But then the problem is, is that inactivity then is the next thing. Well, I'm never going to do that again. That's the last time anybody embarrasses me like that. That's the last time I ever do that. You know how many times I've preached sermons and walked away and said, well, that's the last time I'm preaching. I'm going back to the grocery business. That's the last time I, I go through that. That's the last time I feel when I've sung songs and my voice is just totally, totally off. And you're just like, that's embarrassing, man. That, that was bad. I'll never do that again. Inactivity then leads to the next problem in experience. See, what you've got to learn is, is that when you make a mistake, maybe it's something you're not used to, maybe it's something you haven't done for a long time, it's something you haven't grown accustomed to, then when you make a mistake and fear grips you and you become inactive, let me tell you what happens. You never get better. You're never going to get better. Your inactivity will eventually lead you to more inexperience. Now, when I'll go up in that attic and somebody's walking around with me, I'm like, look, be careful. There's people that have got hurt up here. <laughs> I'm just saying, take it from an old man. There are people who have hurt themselves 
walking around in these rafters? Really? Who? I don't, I don't know. Remember who, but I'm just saying it's happened. It has happened. So if I would just become inactive, then I don't have the experience anymore. And I don't, I don't, but I just go right back up there. I learn what I did wrong. I don't do that again. Now, does that mean I'm I'm never going to have another problem? No. It just sets me up for the next one. The next one was worse than my leg. Because after we did that, we were moving insulation and stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm limping around. Everything is, they can't get any worse than this. And I've grabbed this insulation and it's real heavy. And I'm like, I don't understand why this insulation is so heavy. It's just, and I grab it. And about that time, and you got to understand, I'm, I'm straddling two, two joists and, and, and just rafters. And I'm just sitting there like this and I pick it up. And about that time, boom. I mean, the biggest possum I've ever seen in my life. I kid you not, y'all think I make this stuff up, but there was people actually there. They can tell you this happened. I'm holding this bag of of insulation. I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck. I got one bad leg now. I I mean, it's just like, I'm I'm just going to fight my way out of whatever. He hits the ground. And I mean, he is huge. Tail seems like this long. I mean, he's huge. And he's looking straight up at me. And I'm like, oh man, you got to be kidding me. I need to get out of this attic. Luckily, he chose to run toward Kirkland. Yeah. I kid you not. Just trying to do something good. You're going to have mistakes. And, and, And what you're doing is you're laughing at me. But it's okay because I can laugh at me too. And that's the difference. Can you laugh? Can you smile? Can you say, yeah, I've messed up. But hey, I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm, I, I'm still above ground. And if you can do that, then life can move forward. Let me tell you what happens next. If fear creates inactivity then you gain inexperience. Then when the next problem comes, you have inability. Then you're unable, even if you wanted to now, because you haven't done anything for so long, because you've just lived in this little cocoon of not wanting to get hurt and not want. now when the next opportunity comes, guess what? You're unable. You're unable to move. You're unable. I, I don't know what I should do. I don't know what. And then how many of us end up taking other people's advice, getting in stuff that we even, by that time, I don't think I was supposed to, oh, come on. Because we live within this fearful, inactive cocoon that we think is protecting us, but what it's doing is it's making us inexperienced for the next problem that's coming ahead. And so in our lives, I want to show you three things real quick. You're going to have to get over it and move on, first thing. Number one, write these down. You're going to have to learn to get over things and move on. Number two, you're going to have to remember what you've learned and don't repeat it. Learn something from it and don't repeat it. It's real simple. 
Number three, then maintain the momentum and don't look back. Get your momentum back up and don't keep looking back. Like, oh yeah, there's that. So I guess I'm just going to sit down again. No, it, momentum is a hard thing to get. And once you get momentum, don't just give it away. Getting your life back moving is not easy. There's people in this room right now that their life is not moving. They got hurt. Something happened. They got disappointed. They got devastated. And the fear that hit them caused them to withdraw. And the withdrawing made them inactive and, and, and it made them inexperienced. The problem is now problems are still coming. Problems when I was 20, now I'm close to 30. And I got a whole different set of problems, but because I've been trying to avoid problems, I'm not ready for 30. Not ready for 40. Because I didn't deal with it when I was young, I'm not ready for marriage. I'm not ready for children. I'm not ready to handle a job 40 hours a week, six days, five days a week. I, I don't want to do that because, because I, I, I've got a job when I was 15, got embarrassed, and, and I quit the job, and I've been quitting jobs ever since, and, 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 and I don't want anybody to embarrass me. I'm not going to let anybody... This is real life. Number one, you've got to learn to move on. Go with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 43 and 25. Isaiah 43 and 25. Here's what it says. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never, what? Let me tell you something. If God is forgiving you to that degree, if God is saying, I'm never going to mention this thing again. I'm never going to bring it up again. I'm never going to remind you of this again. Then the only way it can ever come into a conversation between you and God is if you keep bringing it up in the conversation. God says, when I come along and I forgive you, I don't just forgive you. I tell you, I don't want to remember it. Think about it. Let's move on. Look at the person beside you and say, you've got to learn to move on. You've got to learn to move on. God has. God is like, look, we got bigger stuff to do. We got more important things to work. Yes, you failed. Yes, it was a mistake. Yes, it hurt. Yes, all of that. We're not denying anything. But laying here will not make it better. Hoping that one day it just goes away will not work. You have to have a mindset of moving on. One person said it this way. There's no doubt in my mind that there are many ways to be a winner. But there is really only one way to be a loser, and that is to fall and not look beyond your failures. The only way you can ever fail in life is to fall and to constantly be living in that failure over and over and over. Go with me in your Bibles to Romans 3 and 23. For everyone has sinned. Just go ahead and make everybody around here feel better. Just look at them and say, I'm a big mess up. 
Does that make everybody feel better? I'm a big mess up. All, and, and God just says, let me just go ahead and fix it for everybody in the room. You all are mess ups. You all have sinned. You all have made mistakes. You, we all fall short. Or sometimes jump too short or whatever. But we all make mistakes. It's part of life. Go with me in your Bibles to Romans 8 and 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to what did Isaiah say? You're forgiven. I'm the one that does it. In Romans, he, Paul comes back and says the same thing. God doesn't remind you. God's not beating you up. God's not holding it over your head. God's not against you. There's no condemnation to those who have accepted the love, have accepted the forgiveness of Christ. So forgive yourself. What do I need to do, Brother Lot? Realize it, confess it, repent of it, and move on. Don't allow your mistakes to keep you out of the game. Shake it off, as one person says. Put it behind you, however cliche you want to. Get up. Quit laying there. Number two. Remember then what you've learned. The only thing I ever pull from my mistakes are the things that I learned. So people bump into me now and they say, how do you know how to do so much? And I could show them all the scars on my body and I could show them all the, or I just tell them, look, I've just done a lot of stuff through my life. You're going to learn if you keep doing a lot of stuff. Some of it good, some of it don't do that. But I've learned James 1 and 2 says it this way. Go there with me. James 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it a what? Consider it an opportunity for what? Really? That's your advice? Yes. That's biblical advice of how to live your life better than what you're living. Is when any kind of trouble of any kind comes your way, whether self-inflicted, inflicted by others, whether it's something you did or something somebody did, whatever has taken place, consider it an opportunity for great... Let me tell you one of the biggest flaws of this society is we just don't laugh at ourselves. We don't laugh at ourselves. We take everything personal. We take everything. And some of it may be true. You may be ugly. But you can't fix it by frowning. You're just uglier. Just smile. Say, well, that ain't my gift. But at least I'm not dumb. Just, just accept that you can't have it every way, any way, and position everything. It's just not going to work that way. So when I tell you guys, oh, look, I'm not the brightest cookie in the jar, you would think, why does he say that about it? Because it's true. It's true. 
If I ever write you a letter and you can't hardly read it, you'll realize it. But that's okay because I have some good qualities. I can laugh about the things that I'm not the greatest at. I can laugh about the things I don't do the best at. I can laugh. And I can be laughed at. It's okay. Let me show it to you in an illustration. Your life can be written in five chapters. One of these chapters is your life. Now you tell me which one it is. I walked down a street, and there was a deep pole in the sidewalk. So every person in this room, this is your life story. I walked down the street. There was a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fell in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. And it's taken me forever to try to find a way out. That might be your story. Chapter two could go like, or chapter two could go like this. I walked down the street. There was a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretended I didn't see it. And I fell in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out of this thing. Chapter 3. I'm walking down the sidewalk. Same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open, but I can't help myself. I don't know where I am, and it's my fault, but I get out of it immediately. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk, and I just walk around it. It's good. But chapter 5 says this, I walk down another street. Which one are you? First time I walked down, I fell in. It took me a long time to get out. Second time, I, same darn hole. Oh, man, how dumb can he be? Third time, I know it's there. I fall in it, but I know how to get out of it now. By fourth, I see it, just walk around it. But hopefully one day I get smart enough to where when I get close to that street, you know, there's a hole in the sidewalk there. I prefer not to even mess with it. Where are you in life? Number three, you're going to have to then maintain your momentum. If you're gonna if you're gonna live life, stay, get up, gonna keep going. You're going to have to learn to maintain momentum, making the right plans and learning from our mistakes is the only beginning. We have to follow through. Go with me to Hebrews twelve one through three. Hebrews twelve one through three. Listen, you've got to learn to not give up. You've got to learn to get up. You've got to learn to don't give out. You got to learn to finish strong. And I know I'm just setting up what I'm fixing to say, but I want to say what I've told you. Listen to what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great, huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us 
strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the what? Or holes in the sidewalk. The quicker you can strip them off, the quicker you can get them out of your life, the quicker you can remove them, the easier the run. Especially the sins that so easily strip us or trips us up and let us run with endurance. The race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Notice now, the laughter, the pain, the discomfort, he ran his race. That's what he did. We honor Jesus because he ran his race perfectly. And our job in life is to imitate him to the best of our ability so that we, even though we make mistakes, can to the best of our ability imitate him running a perfect race. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates uh, and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become... See, when I, when I make a mistake, I think of Peter. When I make a mistake, I think of, of, of others. And I think of, look, everybody's made mistakes. John Maxwell wrote a beautiful book. If you ever want to get past a lot of that, it's called Failing Forward. He wrote it many, many years ago, but it's a great book. And all it talks about, he just takes different people through history, people who had the Honda motorcycles or Coca-Cola or different companies, and he says, all of them failed. And then they got up, and they figured it out. Or they kept trying and didn't quit. They did just this. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. That's all life is. Now, get to my message. Go in your Bibles to Luke 7, verses 36 through 50. And this is the story I need to show you of what I just taught you. Luke 7, verses 36 through 50. I'm going to ask you a question, and you give me the answer. Can you fall so far down? Can you fall so far down that you can't get up? Or in other words, can you mess up your life as bad, so badly that you can't undo the damage? People who say, yes, raise your hand. You can mess your life up so bad, you cannot undo the damage. Those who say no, raise your hands. 99% of you don't have no idea. Let's try it again. Be honest with me. You can mess your life up so bad 
that you can't fix it, raise your hand. If you say you can mess your life up, but it can be fixed, raise your hand. You are both right. You are, both of you are absolutely right. So for all of you that were too afraid, I've been preaching on fear, to raise your hand, boo on you. Because you just proved everything I just preached the last 15 minutes. I ain't raising my hand. I don't know. Last time I raised my hand, something bad happened. <laughs> He's going to call me on stage. I know it if I raise my hand. Yeah. So, so, so you just proved that the last 15 minutes of my message, you just proved me correct. Fear creates inactivity, inactivity, and then guess what? You got no experience. And then you're not ready for the next thing. The truth is both are right. Let me give it to you, illustration. Uh, there was a guy once that wanted to go see this beautiful pier, just long piers, almost a one-mile pier. It's this gorgeous thing. And, but the problem is if you go that far out, half a mile long type pier, I mean, it gets deeper and deeper. And so this guy's whole, he just wanted to go see this thing. And he, he did, and he started walking out on this pier, and he started noticing the water is coming from, like, what you can see. And then all of a sudden it gets to where it's like you can't hardly see. And then the water color starts totally changing. He knows he's in deep water. And he's walking on this pier, almost wanting to grab the rail, you know, as he's going. And out, out near the end of this thing is this old man out there fishing. And he's just fishing on the end of the pier. And, and he gets out there, and he says, whew. He said, we're in deep water. And the old man is, yeah, pretty deep out here. He said, you think if I fell off this thing, I would drown? The old man looked over, nah. He said, water ain't going to cause you to drown, son. He said, only staying under too long is what causes you to drown. <laughs> and I thought about that, and I'm like, that's it. You're right and wrong. Your mistake is like the water. The water is not what's going to cause you to drown. It's not what's going to, but if you stay under it too long, or if you decide to kick and come up, you're both right. It's not your mistake that's causing your problem. It's how you're going to deal with the mistake. Falling off the pier wouldn't kill that guy. But now if he decided not to try to swim, yeah. If he thought, I'm just going to lay here and I'm just not going to drown. No, inactivity, you will. If you don't move on, if you don't get active, if you don't press forward. And so in life, it works the same way. For every one of you in here, understand this more than anything else. Yes, you can mess things up so badly that you can't undo the damage. If you live in your mistake and know you can't mess up so badly that you can't undo the damage if you decide that I'm not going to lay here and do nothing. I said that because here's our story. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Then a certain immoral woman from the city heard that he was eating there, and she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. 
She knelt behind his, at his feet and wept. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what woman this was touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus told him, and Jesus uh, answered his thoughts. Simon, he said unto the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he had canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with the tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I have come in, she has not ceased to kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has not has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many. I like the way he says that. Her, I mean, she's made her mistakes, and buddy, she's made some doozies. That's what he says. She has royally messed it up. Have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith saved you. Go in peace. See, there, there's two people that fell off the pier. Two people fell off a pier. This story is about this scenario, and it's the reason Jesus accepts the invitation to the Pharisee's house, because he wants to teach something. He knows what's fixing to take place. God is revealing this, and he shows us a beautiful picture of what it is to live in mistakes or to die in mistakes. There's this Pharisee, this man, he, he's... He's tried to do good. He's got a, a good reputation. He's, he's, he's done the best he can. Now, he's got issues, and he's got love issues, and he's got a, a, lot, of, a lot of pride issues. He's got a lot of issues. In fact, we see it right off because he invites Jesus over to his house and says, Teacher, come eat with me. Now, he doesn't believe in Jesus. He doesn't respect Jesus. He, he, he's, he doesn't laugh at his own life. He doesn't laugh at his own mistakes. He doesn't, he doesn't want to overcome his mistakes. He just wants to just not deal with it. So to do that, you reflect it, deflect it to someone else. So he looks at Jesus and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself better by proving how this Jesus is a fraud. That's what he does. And Jesus is, is, is enduring it. Remember we talked about Jesus endured the shame? Je this is shame. 
Jesus, who is the king of the world, Jesus, who is, who is Lord, Jesus, who can walk on water, Jesus is invited to a house, and when he gets to this house, this guy doesn't even show him any normal respect that you would give to any person that walks in your door. He is trying to make a point with Jesus. He is like, I'm going to show everybody who I am and who he is. So when Jesus comes in, Simon ignores him. Well, come on in. Sit down. Just take a seat wherever you want. And Jesus walks in like, just sit down. He doesn't greet him at the door with a kiss. He doesn't tell one of his servants, hey, get a bowl, wash his feet. He doesn't tell one of the other servants, hey, where's the olive oil? Anoint his head so the whole room smells good. Because you got to understand, these are people that don't take baths as normal as everybody else. These are people that, that, that they walk among animals all the time so their feet are stink, everything. I mean, this is just the culture. So when you walked into a room and you fixed to put 15 guys in a room, you might want to bust open the olive oil. Yeah. Y'all know where flowers, bouquets came from, don't you? Bouquets originated because usually when, when two people were going to go to the preacher's house to get married, usually they both stank. And the girl would tote flowers to mask the smell Oh, I ain't got time to go there. <laughs> so what you would do is it was, it was customary to put oil on people and, and, and to mask the smell and, and so, that, so that there wasn't this odor in there, so that there wasn't this bad vibe. I mean, if you're sitting in a room and all you smell is sheep poop or all you smell is cow poop, you're like, look, I'm trying to enjoy this meal, but somebody's, something don't smell right. Does this make sense? You got to see the picture. Simon just says, sit down. And Jesus is like, he could have, Jesus could have said, look, I ain't putting up with this junk. I'll talk to you later. He could have easily done that and been within his rights because to be disrespected the way Simon had disrespected him, it would have been normal and nobody would have thought anything of it. It would have just, Simon would have just said, see, I told you. But Jesus sits down. Jesus doesn't do anything. But it's at the same time, while this person has fallen off the pier and is drowning in his mistakes, in comes this woman. Now, she also has fell off the pier. She's fallen off, and man, her mistakes are massive. She didn't just fall off the pier. She was wearing a weighted vest when she fell off. I mean, it was, it was like, look, you are sinking. You're going down. You got full blue jeans on. You, you, you got, so you're going to be weighted down. You, it's a very little chance you're going to make it. 
And she walks in because she has heard that Jesus is going. Because any time that you had a moment like this where a Pharisee or somebody would invite somebody, it was, it was, a, it was not just a personal thing. It was also a, a, an event that people knew about in town. People would come to your house and, and look through the window. Oh, so-and-so's eating with so-and-so today. That was, that was normal. That was the way they did their custom. And so everybody knew about it, and she heard about it, but her mindset was different. I am drowning in my mistakes. I am dying in my my past. And I don't want to keep dying in my past. I don't want to die in my mistakes. So what do I have to do? What's the first thing you have to do? You got it in your notes. You got to move. You cannot sit there and hope that it gets better. What does she do? She goes to her house. She gets alabaster box, a very expensive perfume that took almost a year's wages. So this is not somebody poor. This is not somebody that doesn't have any income. She's, if she is a prostitute, which is interpreted here, she's a good one. She's a high class call girl. She, she's one of the upper echelon people in town because she's got a whole year's worth of wages uh, that it would cost. She's got it sitting on the mantle of her house. She's somebody's mistress, and she is wealthy at what she does. She's not just a vagabond. She is wealthy, but yet here's this lady that says, all of the stuff that I got, all the stuff that it's accumulated for me, everything has not taken away the weight of my mistakes. It's not taken away the guilt. I'm still stuck right here, and I'm tired of being. So the first thing I have to do is I have to learn to move. She grabs the alabaster. She heads toward the house. She walks in. She didn't ask Simon whether he had already done wash Jesus' feet. She didn't ask that. She walks in and she notices his feet. Because when you sit at a, at a place like this, they would sit like this. On a pillow. Your feet would always be behind you. So when she walks in, she can see his feet. That's why he can keep talking to Simon while she's she's not under a table. I'm just trying to help you out. And I was trying, she's not like under the table wiping his feet. No, he's sitting on a pillow like this, reclined. And they're all in a circle. And she comes in and she notices the bottom of his feet. She notices nobody's cleaned his feet. Nobody has, has done homage to him. Nobody... And here in her hands is the opportunity. I can do something. And she begins to cry on his feet. And then she takes her hair and she wipes his feet. And then she breaks the alabaster box. And the smell perfume covers the entire room. And all that Simon can think of is, boy, that's a bad person. Let me tell you something, you're going to bump into a lot of people in your life that all they can tell you is, you're a bad person. Let me tell you why. Because they're so worried about getting that splinter out of your eye that they don't take time to get the telephone pole out of theirs. 
We all make mistakes. Every one of us in this room. The question is, what are you going to do with it? She decided, I don't want to live in that forever. I don't want to be reminded. I don't, I don't want my rest of my life to be stuck in that posture. I don't want to be there. I'm going to move. Number two, remember what you've learned and don't repeat it. Simon keeps repeating the same problem and his life gets no better. He just gets more bitter. He gets more religious. He gets more cynical. He gets more... He's so cynical that now Jesus could walk in his house and he won't even wash his feet. He won't even acknowledge him. He won't even kiss him on the cheek and say, welcome to my house. He has, gone, he has gotten so withdrawn that in front of the person that could save him, No. Some of you sitting here, you can get so withdrawn that you can be covered in mistakes sitting in this room and knowing that the person that can set you free is just a few steps away and all you have to do is humble yourself and ask and yet you cross your arms and say, not me. It's not falling off the pier that kills you. You don't drown from that. You drowned from not moving. You drown from thinking, oh, well, I guess I deserve to die. I fell off the pier. How dumb. I mean, anybody dumb enough to fall off the pier ought to die. And in my inactivity and my constantly reminding myself of my past mistakes keeps dragging me back. Number three, you've got to maintain the momentum and not look. When she started, she could have just got started and saw, the, saw how cynical everybody was and how everybody was looking at her and kind of like laughing and, and everything, same way Jesus was. And, but she doesn't. She just, I mean, she doesn't just start. She doesn't just start crying on his, you know, like some of us will just cry a little bit at an altar and it's like, well, I've kind of showed everybody. No, no, no. I, I mean, if that, if just keep pressing, don't stop. Keep moving. Don't stop. Keep going. Don't stop. You've got a good start. Now let it, let it roll. Let it roll. Keep chasing. Yeah, but people are probably, how many times have you ever been to an altar and think, well, I bet everybody else is getting up now, so I probably need to get up too. Listen, she wasn't worried about what was going on around. She wasn't worried about what everybody else in the room was doing. She got momentum. I'm moving now. I'm already in this thing now. I'm not worried about what everybody else thinks. I come to finish this thing and I'm not leaving until I'm finished. And she didn't just cry and wipe. She could have said, well, I'll just save the alabaster for later. No, I've come this far. Let's do the rest. Let's finish it off. I've already done everything. So when Jesus looks at Simon, he says, Simon, which one do you think loves me more? She's done what you wouldn't do. No wonder he looks at her with all of her sin and all of her past. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Don't worry. There'll still be people that'll post something on Facebook about you. 
There'll still be people that'll talk about you behind your back. Even though Jesus himself looked at her and says, you are forgiven. Go in peace. You're, you're good. Simon and his buddies still look at each other like, who, who is this forgives? Who do you think he is? Doesn't he know who she is? Every one of us in this room make mistakes. But it's what you do with those mistakes that will determine your life. Some of them seem like royal mistakes. Some of them seem too big to overcome. And the answer to that question is yes and no. Yes, if you decide to remain in them, think about them, live in them, bring them up all the time in your life, you're right, they are. But don't blame God for it. Because God came that you might go free. That you might have life and have it more abundantly. God came that your sins that were as scarlet would be white as snow. And that whatever the world calls your past, God says, I don't remember it anymore. So the question is, if you've fallen off the pier this morning, what are you going to do about it? Will you stand? Really, that's all... That's all a church service is every single week. Every week when we have a church service and you're sitting here, you didn't just come to a building, you just didn't... We call it the house of God. We call it that because when we all gather and we invite Him in, He comes. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the... So that means right now that Jesus is here. That's all it means. Now that can mean absolutely nothing to you. Or it can mean everything to you. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe somebody brought you. Maybe you just came on your own. But I can guarantee you, you're not here by accident. And now the question becomes, what do I do with all my junk? He, he doesn't want to see me. I I'll just, I'll just won't even go in. I meet people like that all the time. I'll meet them at Walmart or something. And I'll say, man, you ought to come man, miss you at church. Bro, a lot if I came in, the walls would fall down, all the stuff. And I just smile. I'm like, no. Man, that... That place is full of people that God's had to work on and work through. And I don't know, brother. I, I do. No, God brought you here today. And ain't nobody else can do this for you. Nobody else in this room now can do this for you. Jesus is here. The question is, what are you going to do with it? What God would hope and what God 
is, is longing for is that you would move. That you would move. That you would let go of the things that's held you and say, God, here they are. You got momentum. You got this far. Think about it. You got up this morning. You got ready. The enemy was telling you, ain't no reason to go today. It's, you know, you don't feel good. It's, 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 man, you, you, you pressed through. You got momentum. You got all the way here, made it through praise, even though you had to hold your fingers in years probably. And it's like, it's like, oh, that's so loud. That's a, you made it through all of that. You heard it, Pastor Lot's long sermon. And, and you're like, oh, what are we going to eat? And you, and you made it through all of that. And now you're standing. You made it all the way to here. Now the only question is, what are you going to do now? Jesus is here. You're here. You say, Pastor, I know what to do. I got momentum. And I'm going on through. I'm not stopping here and sit back down and go back to the car and feel bad again and like, why didn't I go to the altar, man? I don't, I got it. All of it's been set up for me at this moment. I got it. If that's you in this room with every head bowed, every eye closed, because I don't want to embarrass anybody. If that's you this morning that says, Pastor, that's me you've been talking about. That's me that my mistakes is, is drowning me. It's me that needs to get to moving. It's me that has to move past what has happened or what took place or what you know, things. And That's me. Then don't lose that momentum. Right now, with everything you've got that's pushed you this far, step out. What do I need to do, Brother Lot? You just need to come here to this altar. You need to kneel down. You just need to say, God, I'm here. And I'm ready to lay down my past and pick up my future. Yeah, I've, I've, I've made some mistakes, but I'm not dying here. Yeah, I fell off the pier, but I'm not dying here. Yeah, I did some things wrong. But you know what? That don't mean the rest of my life is wrong. You have to make the choice. Every person. You can't do it for somebody. You can't make somebody. And I'm not trying to make you this morning. I'm not trying to embarrass you this morning. I'm just telling you, Jesus is here. You can either decide to sit there off the pier and people watch you drown. Or you can decide, I wasn't born to drown. I was born to kick. I was born to run. I was born. That lady had one quality that Simon didn't have. She was willing to go run. She was willing to move. She was willing. And Jesus said, those that do that love much because they realize they've been forgiven much. Father, this morning, I speak over every person at this altar exactly what Jesus spoke over her. Daughter or sir, for what you've done right now, it's not your actions, it's not your ability, it's not your pretty words, it's your faith. Your faith right now that stepped out, let me tell you something, it's made you whole.
Your faith has made you whole. You don't have to earn anything. You don't have to deserve anything. You don't have to, to, to make up anything. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to do anything. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith in who he is, your faith that Jesus took it to a cross and paid the price. I can laugh about my past. I can laugh at my mistakes because that's not where I'm stopping. I'm moving forward. Jesus says, go on in peace now. Because your faith, just kneeling and saying, forgive me, Lord. I messed it up, Lord. I made a mistake and I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's all that was required for God to wrap his arms around you and tell you it's okay. If you're in this place and, and you're one of my prayer people, if you just want to come up behind some of these, don't bother them. You don't have to tell them anything this morning. Nobody's going to bother you. All they're going to do is just, as they lay their hand on your back, they're just going to just thank God for what he's done in your life. He's just going to thank God that right now God has saved you or God has restored you or God has pulled you out of that, that mistake, that feeling of lostness, that, that hurt that's held you. Your, your life is fixing to kick into gear like never before again. Your life isn't going backwards anymore. Your life is not in neutral anymore. Your life is going forward. Father, I praise you and I thank you this morning that souls are in the kingdom and that people are like that lady that day are not going to be bound by their mistake the rest of their life. It's not falling off the pier. It's a decision I'm going to swim back and climb back up the ladder and get back where I'm supposed to be. Father, this morning I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I'm in no rush this morning. There's people that need to shed tears this morning. You need to let it all out of you. you don't, when you get up from this altar, you do not need the enemy to remind you, oh, you just did that little... No, no. You need, to, you need to make sure, like her, I finished what I started. I walked all the way through. If there's something you haven't given him, if there's something you say that I'm holding back, just say, God, I give it all. I give it all. I give it all. Everything, all my fear, I give it all. All my anxiety, I'm giving it all. Everything that I once worried about, I'm giving it all. I'm not getting up from this altar worried about from this moment on anything in my past. I'm not getting up worried about anything. I know that blessings are ahead of me because I'm your child. I'm not worried about my enemies anymore. I'm thankful for my future. I'm thankful for where I'm going. I'm thankful that you never, ever gave up on me.